Welcome to an Impact Ministries production brought to you by Impact Ministries World Changers, changing the way the world sees God. Learn how you can become a world changer today by visiting www.impactministries.com. Now, here's your host, founder of Impact Ministries and developer of Heart Physics, the self development programs that have changed thousands of lives around the world, Dr. Jim Richards. Hello, I'm Jim Richards. I want to welcome you to Impact Cyber Church. Man, I'm telling you, today we are going to talk about something that has set literally millions of people free around the world. We're going to talk about getting whole or getting right. What's your priority? What is it you think God's greatest priority? See, by and large, we think we're supposed to get right. And I got to tell you, when you think that God's top goal for you is to get right, then you live in a world of rejection. You live in a world of torment. You live in a world of dead works. You never feel accepted. You never feel loved. You never feel like anything you do is enough. I'm going to tell you something. For you, any friends you've got that's struggling under religious oppression, send them the link to this video. Connect to your friends. Have a home meeting about this because I'm going to tell you, this is one of these things you want to get squared away to make your life easy and light. All of my videos are always on my website. Go use them for home groups, study groups, whatever that you want to bless people. I'll be back in just a few minutes. Listen, I want to encourage you to get the free download this month called The Devastating Power of Pain. This is going to help you understand what's going on in your life. This is going to help you understand what keeps pulling you back to the past. Be sure and get it. It's there for you for free. Well, if you've been following this program, you know that we have been talking about one of God's most important priorities for you. And God's first priority for you is to heal your broken heart, to get you made whole. You know, when Jesus came on the scene, his very first message in Luke 4, and we've talked about this, he says, there's a reason the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. There's a reason that I'm anointed. And the reason that I'm anointed is because I've come to preach the gospel to the poor. And that word poor, it depicts a man that's kind of crouched down with his hands out like he's begging. That doesn't mean that we're supposed to be beggars, but it's supposed to mean that we are desperately hungry for what God has to offer. You know, uh, Rick Trussell, my buddy, you know, he and I have been together for years and years and years. We were just sitting around talking about back in the 60s, how that we were hungry. You know, we were radical hippies that were sick of the government. We saw that the government was a farce. We saw that they lied to us. They sent us to war. They killed us all to make money, you know, for all their buddies and for themselves and to take over the world. And we were desperate. And so what happened back in the 60s is, you know, the movement before us, well, there were the beatniks, and, you know, they were just kind of uh, closed off. I remember seeing my first beatniks in real life back in the early 60s. Then there was the movement that later splintered in two directions. And one group went into rebellious Marxist communism uh, with the mentality to overthrow the world. And that's what you see that has taken over our government now. But the other side of that, the people who didn't want to go into rebellion, that were hungry, that were crying out for something real, became the Jesus movement. And that's really the two splintering groups of the 60s. The communist revolutionaries that have taken over our universities, have taken over our schools, taken over our government, and the Jesus movement. And I want to tell you something. I'm so glad I ended up in the Jesus movement and not in that other angry, violent, anti-God movement. 
But Jesus goes on to explain. He says, He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives. Now, I don't have time to recap all of that and cover what I'm going to cover today. So if you haven't watched my previous programs on this, please go back and watch them. I'm getting so many incredible testimonies from people everywhere about what this series, Freedom from Emotional Debt, is doing for them. You know, I sat down the other day with some people, with a group of ministers, people that were very successful at what they were doing. And I began to talk to them about the fact that God's top priority for you is that first and foremost, you get whole. And I'm telling you, these leaders were astounded. Of course, I have this conversation with leaders all over the country. And every time I have this conversation with them, they either get angry or get astounded. Because once we accept the fact that God's top priority for us is to get us whole, then suddenly everything about how we approach ministry has to change. Now, I know some people would say, well, God's top priority for you is that you get saved. You know, something, getting saved is a step in the process to connecting to God in a meaningful relationship. Getting saved is not the end-all, be-all of this. Becoming a disciple of the Lord Jesus and connecting to Him through the love of God, that's the end-all, be-all. Because if we just get saved, then it's just about ourselves and we're of no benefit to anybody else. Before I go too far down that, I want you to understand something. The reason the church has not become what it's called to be in planet Earth is we ignored Jesus' calling. We have two very clear job descriptions in the New Testament. One was spoken by Jesus. One was reiterated by Paul. That if we stuck to this job description, I got news for you. We would be turning the world upside down. And the, well, the world wouldn't be in the mess that it's in right now. I got news for you. If the church in America had made it about being a disciple of the Lord Jesus, I promise you this. We could not and would not be where we are in our country. Our government would not be where it is. I'm not saying it's the church's fault, but I'm just saying if the priorities had been right. So when Jesus left, he gave us his commandment. He said, go teach everybody to observe everything I've commanded you. Now, there are knuckleheaded people out there that try to say that that's legalism, that obeying Jesus is legal. No, he taught us how to have life with peace, with joy, with purpose, with passion, how to get along. You know, God's all of, and remember, everything that Jesus ever taught came straight out of the commandments. He just taught it from the perspective of Love. It had to be applied from the motive of love or value for people. It had to be a means of helping people become whole. It had to be a means of helping people connect to God. It had to be a means of us experiencing these benefits that we have in God. And that's why he said that they should become disciples. You know, we've gone out and had crusades and had people wave their hands and say, okay, I accept Jesus. And thank God for that. I am so thankful for that. But I'll tell you something. Their life doesn't change. Their countries don't change. Their families don't change. Their inner happiness doesn't change to as great a degree as it could if they don't become disciples because they still don't know how to live life. I was thinking this morning about a man who was just such a blessing to me who back years ago, he at the time he was about 75 years old and um, he was a Buddhist and I spent a lot of time with him. And uh, one day we were eating. He would always bring his daughter. She was about 40 at the time, and she would come and interpret, uh, translate. He spoke English, but it was a little broken and uh, would translate. And so I asked him one time, I said, he told me that he grew up in a Christian orphanage. And as a young child, he was a Catholic. And I said, okay, then why did you become a Buddhist? He said, 
through his daughter translator, he said, I needed something to work in this life. He said, what they gave me was of no value in this life. See, a disciple gets the word of God and understands how to, we're not trying to earn something from God. We're not trying to get something from God. We're just applying it in this life. We're treating people the way God said to treat people. You know, we're loving people. We're helping people. People are getting whole because of the way we treat them. And we're getting whole. But what was interesting, I began to share some of these things that I'm sharing with you. And I'll never forget, in typical old Chinese style, at the end of that luncheon, he stood up and he pointed his finger up in the air like Chinese men often do when they're ready to make a declaration. And he spoke to his daughter and he said, from this day forward, this will be your church. From this day forward, you will go to his church. And she did. She went to our church. She became a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. He began to open his heart up to Christianity. He began to open his heart because it was something that worked in this life. Man, I'm thankful for heaven. I'm looking to heaven, but I got news for you. I want to be able to function in this life. I want to be able to be productive. I want to be able to enjoy life, that sort of thing. But see, before anything else happens to us, we need to be made whole. If we are not made whole, then we will pervert, corrupt, twist everything that we read in the Bible because we will be reading it and trying to understand it through the filter of a broken heart. We will be looking at it through the lens of fear because we've been made to be afraid of God. You know, we think that God is seeking to get even with us for all of our flaws and make us pay for everything we've ever done when the real truth is God wants us whole. You say, well, why is wholeness, why is wholeness such a top priority? I'll tell you why. Because whole people have the capacity to have loving relationships. And God created man in his own likeness and image so that we could enter into a relationship with him. And I'll tell you, religion has put everything else first. Religion doesn't even bring wholeness into the picture in reality. Religion is all about, no, no you don't need to get whole. You need to get right. Well, the moment we make the assumption that it is our goal in the ministry to get right, then obviously we have to assume that you're wrong and we have to point out that you're wrong, help you understand what all is wrong with you instead of helping you understand what all is right about you. I want to tell you something. Impact Ministries has circled the globe, pioneering these concepts. You know, the gospel of peace, grace, the power to change, all of these powerful messages, many of which I pioneered, or I was a part of a group that pioneered in the world in this generation. I never pioneered them. I never brought these to the earth from the perspective of that's the end all, of the doctrine is the end all, be all. That those doctrines were part of the process to getting whole so we could come into a loving relationship with God. And then out of that, we could come into a loving relationship with people. Listen, don't go away. I'll be back in just a few minutes. I can't wait to get this new series, Freedom from Emotional Debt, into your hands. This is going to be packed with exercises that's going to help you immediately break free from your emotional debt. You say, why do you call it emotional debt? Because that's what Jesus called it. When Jesus referred to the year of Jubilee, which in the Old Testament meant that you were set free from all of your financial debts that you had incurred. In this context, Jesus is talking about all of your emotional debts. You know, there's a book that I wrote years ago called Leadership That Builds People. Now, it's not available in paper at right this moment because we're writing the third edition to it. We're going to bring it out with Leadership 1, Leadership 2, and Leadership 3. 
I tell you, there have been thousands of leaders restored to the ministry and tens of thousands of leaders totally changed how they did ministry based on the thesis of this book and the teaching that's in this book. You see, I wrote this book from this perspective that says this, every leader answers this question in their own heart. They may not know they answer it, but they do. Will you use people to build your ministry or will you use your ministry to build people? See, church is only a tool. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are only a tool. Like I said, getting born again is a process. It's a journey. Everything is a journey toward wholeness so that, number one, we can love God and have this intimate relationship with God. Number two, so that we can love people and become an influence on people. And true spirituality is always expressed in both of those dimensions, loving God, loving people. And all of that comes because we've experienced the love of God. Therefore, we recognize that we are loved and we have the, the biblically-based sense of love. So Jesus gave a general job description. We call it the great commission. Evidently, some people call it the great suggestion. It's not a great suggestion. It's a, it's a commission and told us exactly what we were supposed to be doing. And then keep in mind that after Jesus left and then the, the church comes into being, the apostles took the teachings of Jesus and tried to explain what they would look like and how they would be applied in a church setting because a church setting was a new thing. You know, they had synagogues, as Jews had synagogues, but most of the church was being born in the Gentile world. They had no concept of how this was supposed to work. So in the book of Ephesians, Paul writes what is basically a reiteration of the job description that Jesus explains, but he's explaining how this should happen inside the church. And remember, all this has to fit into the concept that Jesus said that our role was to teach everyone to observe his teachings and become a disciple. That's the goal of everything that we're supposed to be doing. And so in Ephesians 4.11, Paul says this, talking about Jesus, it says, And he himself gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Now, this word perfecting, when you see the word perfect anywhere in the New Testament, I don't know if it's ever, and if it is at all, it's very rare, meaning uh, flawlessness. And we have this idea, you know, that we're supposed to become flawless, and that's God's goal for us, and that we've got to get flawless before we can serve. We've got to get flawless before we can go in the ministry. Well, obviously, our personal flaws interrupt our ability to help people. It interrupts people's ability to trust us. So, yeah, I mean, we want to be godly, not flawless. And they are absolutely not the same thing. But in reality, the thing that prepares us the most for ministry, whether it's ministry behind the pulpit, whether it's ministry as a deacon, as an elder, as a Sunday school teacher, whether it's ministry as a children's church, a worker, an usher, anybody, the prerequisite for actually serving in ministry is not flawlessness, but it's getting whole. Because you see, people who are not whole, they have need, they have lack. Anytime you've got a broken heart, your life is filled with lack. Your life is filled with need. And when you have need, you will use other people to meet your need because you are so emotionally destitute. You're in such an emotional vacuum that your need is more predominant than the needs of the people that you're really supposed to be serving. So 
In this passage here, this word perfecting, again, it doesn't mean to be flawless. Uh, if you look this word up in any kind of good Greek lexicon, it's going to mean something like this. It's derived from a word that means to be complete, to be thoroughly and completely repaired or adjusted. So this word begins to come together around a concept of being perfected for the ministry is around actually being repaired or being mended. As a matter of fact, if you go to Matthew chapter 4, verse 21, it talks about where Jesus was walking along, and he says, going from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. Now, that word mending their nets is the same root word as perfecting the saints. Now, when you mend a net, See, you don't take a fishing net that's broken, that's torn to pieces, and try to go out here and fish with it because, you know, the fish, they're going to get through the holes. It's just not going to work. So before you ever take a fishing net out and cast it out and try to use it for works of service, you have to first mend that net. If you don't mend it, it'll keep tearing up, and eventually not only do you lose all the fish, but you lose the net that you're using to catch the fish. So the concept here is, is God wants to get us whole personally so that we can do works of ministry. And that's exactly what he said back up there in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 that we just read, for the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry. I'll tell you something about wholeness. Wholeness is something that comes in tandem with serving. When we think about the grace of God, the grace of God is God's ability, God's strength, God's capacity that works from our heart, that is given freely without merit, then we realize that the ability to be and do what God says we can be and do is always a work of grace. Now, an interesting thing about grace is this. Grace is like a two-sided coin. In other words, you cannot get the grace, God's capacity, the supernatural ability to receive anything unless at the same time you are seeking and want and desire and are willing to have the capacity to give away the very thing that you hope to receive. Paul taught this over in the book of Corinthians, I think it's 2 Corinthians, where he talked about this in the area of giving and prospering. It's amazing how many people that you meet that want to prosper. Everybody wants to prosper. Man, I'll tell you, back in the 80s and 90s, I was so sick of hearing the corrupted prosperity message. Listen, the prerequisite to, to true prospering without trouble is generosity. And I didn't find many people seeking generosity. I found everybody wanting a bigger paycheck. I found everybody wanting their debts paid. But I didn't find many people seeking to prosper so they could be a blessing to other people. So the thing is, people who seek generosity and who walk in the generosity based on whatever they have, they may not have much, but they share it with other people. Those people in tantum, if their heart is open to it and they're willing, will grow in their ability to prosper. And that's the same way in this area of holiness. You know, I've told you about my journey and my commitment and my desire to learn how to know and feel and experience the love of God. And the thing is, when I made a commitment that I was going to connect with God's love, and that was going to be my top priority, as I began studying 
connecting to the love of God, I began to realize that it was completely impossible for me to receive what I wasn't willing to give and that the greatest pathway to revelation knowledge, the greatest pathway to the grace of God working in my life was that I seek generosity in giving love. And so I started studying about giving love and seeking God about giving love. And really, I kind of took my attention off of experiencing love or even feeling love. And in the process of that, the more I love people, and that word love has to do with value and considering them as precious and valued, holding them in high esteem. The more I did that, the more I had the sense of God doing that with me and the more I could recognize it when other people were giving that to me. So this thing about getting whole is the same way. Getting whole just for me, be selfish and it's all about me, just all about me feeling better, all about me enjoying life. That is just narcissism. That is just corrupt self-centeredness and a couch in a scripture. The thing is, do I want other people to be made whole? Am I walking in love? Because see, it's the love of God that makes you whole. It's not just believing in a doctrine about wholeness. You know, you can believe in the doctrine of grace and never walk in grace in a day in your life. You can believe in the doctrine of faith and never really operate faith in any real capacity. You can believe in the doctrine of anything. It doesn't mean it changes your life. And you can believe in the doctrine of wholeness. It doesn't mean anything. We get whole because we experience the love of God. Well, if we're going to experience the love of God, we have got to be willing, desires, and intentionally seeking to give away the love of God. And as we give the love of God, in other words, as we see the best in people, as we build people up instead of tearing people down, as we encourage people instead of discourage people, as we serve people instead of using people, as we pour out on other people, that very love that we need in our own lives, it does something to our heart and makes us capable. So if you want to get whole, you got to realize, yes, there's that thing I experienced with God in my prayer life and this sort of thing, but then there's got to be that thing where I serve others, where I minister to others. And these two things will grow in tandem, and if they don't grow together, it will always end up manifesting itself in some kind of corrupt destructive way. Listen, God's goal for you is to get whole. Once you are whole, once you have this sense of being loved, number one, it'll be showing up in your life and the way you treat other people and your intention. And I'm not saying you'll do everything right, but I'm saying you're willing, you're intentional about it. When you don't handle things properly, you deal with it, but you're always seeking as much as you can to try to help other people realize they are valued and they're precious to God. At that place, at that place of wholeness, your heart opens up to your destiny. Your heart opens up to so many different aspects of God. Then faith works. Then healing and miracles. And all this starts to make sense that actually starts to work. Listen, I'll be back with a mentoring moment. Don't go away. Freedom from emotional debt is going to be a powerful tool that's going to help you on your journey for transformation. Listen, this is a six CD series, but I'm going to give you some free messages that are going to be included in here and some exercises that's going to take you straight to freedom. You know, the reason Impact Ministries has always been such a revolutionary, pioneering ministry is because we built exactly the opposite and the exact reverse of how most ministries and churches ever build. And we start it from the perspective that says we are here to serve people. We are here to make people whole through the love of God. And everything else that comes into people's lives, everything else that we want to have happen has to come 
in this process of getting people made whole. Well, one of the things about getting people made whole is we go all over the world and, you know, we don't go in places and hammer for offerings. As a matter of fact, you very rarely ever hear me talk about finances. We go to churches that can't afford to have us. We send books to prisons. We start Bible schools all over the world. But the thing is, it does cost money. And if you want to help me make other people whole, I want you to consider becoming a world changer or consider giving your most generous gift. We want to change the way the world sees God. We want to make people whole with the love of God. You know, I've already talked about this a little bit, but I want you to grasp this concept. I want this to become a part of the way you live. You can't receive what you are not willing to give. Don't make that legalistic. Don't make that hard. I'm not saying that before you can get healed, you have to go out and do something. But I'm just saying in general, if I want to be whole, then I need to be committed to other people being whole. If I want to live in peace within my own life, then I need to be committed to being a peacemaker in the world around me. In other words, we need to realize that we are the expression of God in the world. So number one, I can't receive what I will not give away. And so since the process to becoming whole is in fact being made whole through God's love, then I need to understand that God's definition of love and all of the commandments about how we're supposed to treat each other is God's definition of love. And then in 1 Corinthians, you know, Paul talks about love and gives you kind of an overview. And, you know, I used to read that every single day. And you can use the definitions we have in our prayer organizer. Just read that every single day. And every single day, I would imagine what it would look like with the people I was going to face that day or work with that day if I treated them this way. So I use God's definition of love. I began to strategically walk in love. Now I want to tell you how I did this. Every day, like I say, I would review this definition basically that I have in our prayer organizer about what love is. You can go to the Amplified Bible or you can just use whatever Bible you got. Go to 1 Corinthians and you can get Paul's definition of love. But every day I would review that and just think about it and imagine, particularly if I had meetings with difficult people, I'd review that. But I'll tell you something I would do. I would also, every day, I would say, did I violate this toward anybody? And if I did, I would go that day and make it right with them. Begin to strategically walk in love, and you'll be amazed what a change in your world. Thanks for listening to the weekly Impact Ministries World Changers podcast with Dr. Jim Richards. If you like what you've just heard, we encourage you to share our web address, www.impactministries.com, with friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out the resources section of our website for previous podcasts and our videos. Join us next week for another great message by Dr. Jim Richards.